1860. We are in our house in the county seat of Adams County, Pennsylvania, where it is peaceful and prosperous. Ten roads intersect right here in town, and this community thrives. There are banks, taverns, stables, carriage workshops, shoemakers supplied by tanneries down by the creek. Fertile farm fields surround us. It's Gettysburg. It is a good and lucky town, an industrious town, but it is just a town, a nice place to raise a family. The 2,400 citizens walk our streets with deliberate intent. Merchants supply our needs. Business is done daily. Church is attended faithfully. The town center hums with chatter and the clip-clopping of horse hooves provides an even cadence to life. Who would possibly conceive that in a matter of a few short years, it will all be shattered in a cataclysmic battle? Hello and welcome to American History Hit. I'm Don Wildman. Thanks for joining us. It is a fact of war that the people who suffer most in any conflict are ultimately, and sometimes immediately, those without the guns. That is, the civilian population. Just look at the terrible news from Ukraine these days, how the people who live in those villages, towns, and cities are the ones so often terrorized and without recourse or escape, who live in mortal horror that they will be targeted next. Or if they do get away before the shooting starts or the bombs begin to fall, eventually it's the civilians who must return to a devastated war zone and try to rebuild their lives and property to pick up where they left off if they haven't decided to leave altogether. War takes prisoners aplenty, but the fighters are usually released, where the civilians remain trapped in or out of their homes until life returns to some kind of normal. If such a thing can exist after you've seen people die in your own streets or in your farm fields. This was certainly the case in July 1863 at the Battle of Gettysburg in Pennsylvania. Gettysburg wasn't a planned battleground, but the lands around the town became the scene of first a series of skirmishes, which swiftly developed into one of the worst scenes of death and carnage and mayhem in which any American force has ever been engaged. Never mind, this was Americans fighting Americans. The townspeople of Gettysburg were the ones who had to sort it all out for themselves in the end and for their struggling nation. A new immersive museum exists in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, that explores this unfortunate reality, and it's called Gettysburg Beyond the Battle Museum. And we have the museum founder with us today, Andrew Dalton. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Andrew. Thanks, Don. It's great to be here. We have made this July 4th week all about Gettysburg, the 160th anniversary and all. And the, and the previous episode was about the events, the combat, how this thing unfolded. Today, we're going to talk more about context. Is that okay with you? Sure. Yep. Your featured exhibition is one of the featured exhibitions is Caught in the Crossfire. Describe for me what this captures and why. Why do you want to make this place? Well, we really wanted to give people an idea of what it was like for the approximately 2,400 civilians of Gettysburg who were sheltering in place in, in many cases during the battle. And, you know, it was a three-day-long battle. There were 160,000 soldiers that descended on this very small community, and the civilians were caught in the middle. And many of them were, were victims in one way or another. And so that is what we wanted to do. We, we created a house where people actually enter a room that's caught in the middle of the battle and they hear and see and feel what it was like. It is a, an insane scene that happens to, the, to Gettysburg. How is it that Gettysburg ended up in the crossfire, as you say? 
this is a, a battle fought in a northern town where an invading Confederate army overtakes the streets and enters the homes of these civilians. And so in our museum, we wanted to actually put people in that scene. And we went out and recorded live sounds at a shooting range to get the actual sounds that these people would have heard using period weapons. When we used a, a treasure trove of letters and diaries and newspaper articles from our collection here at the Adams County Historical Society to put this exhibit together and to really bring this experience to life. The people of Gettysburg, ironically, become the, the storytellers of this battle, don't they? They are eyewitnesses to history. Absolutely. They, you know, and many of them were children and, and lived into the 1930s, 40s, and even into the 1950s. It's kind of hard to imagine, but we're so closely tied to this period in, in American history just separated by a few generations. But it was an absolutely traumatic experience for these people. You imagine having your farm completely destroyed, your house is used as a hospital, there are soldiers buried right outside your back door. Uh, and this lasted for weeks and months after the fact, not to mention the, the actual three days of the battle, which were an incredibly traumatic time for these people in their lives that they would never forget. Let's talk about Gettysburg before the war. I mean, what kind of place is this? It's a very established town, right? Yeah, it was founded in 1786, and it really was a, a, an important place. There are 10 roads that converge at Gettysburg. We're only about 70 miles, 80 miles from Washington, D.C. So it's, it's also only eight miles from the Mason-Dixon line, which separates the north and the south, the Pennsylvania-Maryland border. So there's divided attitudes here, uh, but it's a small community, but still very central in southern Pennsylvania, connected to some of the bigger cities. And there was a, a, a carriage industry, actually, that was thriving before the Civil War that, that connected our local community with a lot of uh, the South, Virginia and Maryland. And so there was trade and a lot of relationships, even familial relationships over that line. And we're two years into the war-ish at this point. How has the Civil War affected Gettysburg as, as a northern town? Well, hundreds of men, local men, went off and served at different battles uh, throughout the first two years of the war. The, the absolute worst nightmare for these people was a Confederate invasion of the North. And, and there was talk and rumors and fear and about this for the entire period of the war, starting in 1861. But it all came home in 1863 when the Confederates launched an invasion of the North, crossed the Potomac River, entered Pennsylvania with the goal of, of threatening the, the Northern capital in Washington and winning a victory in the North. They were not able to do that, but it was still a very, it was a, a dicey and uncertain time for these people. They didn't know the, what the outcome would be. You mentioned uh, it's 10 roads. I mean, this is a nexus for a lot of transport in those days. Was it a given that they would be the, the focus of this attack? Not at all, no. And, and both armies sort of used this road network uh, to converge upon a, a meeting place. And it, it turned out that the, the battle unfolded because of these roads converging at one place. And, and so you know, Gettysburg ended up the scene of, of the largest battle ever fought in the Western Hemisphere. Yeah. Had they taken any kind of precautions about this? I'm curious if, if towns like Gettysburg that were so close to the border, did they build any kind of defenses? A little bit. The Pennsylvania militia tried what they could to, to hold the Confederates off. In fact, there was a, a group of local men who went out and felled trees to try to stop the Confederate advance. But there really wasn't much that they could do, especially because the local men had gone off and served. This was an all-volunteer army for the most part, the Union Army. So a lot of the men of, of the age that they'd be in the military were actually off with the Union Army in Virginia, in Maryland, trying to you know come into Pennsylvania and, and defeat Robert E. Lee's army. Sure. And, and you're so close to Maryland here, which itself is a sort of divided land. I guess there were a lot of divided attitudes within Gettysburg even, I suppose, right? 
There were, and actually in 1860, Abraham Lincoln won Adams County, Pennsylvania, which is the county Gettysburg's located in by only six votes. So it was a very divided area, and especially over the issues of slavery, over states' rights, over the expansion of slavery into the Western territories, and a lot of different attitudes here, and especially because of those familial and business relationships with Maryland and Virginia. Yeah, the you mentioned local men going away. How difficult to imagine that this war is suddenly heading up towards their their community. Did a lot of Gettysburg men serve in the Battle of Gettysburg? Only one company, so you know, about a hundred men from Adams County, Pennsylvania, from Gettysburg, actually ended up returning and fighting with the Union Army at Gettysburg. And uh, their stories are incredible. In fact, one of them was mortally wounded and brought to his mother's house and cared for by his mother and died in his own home. But I don't think anyone really imagined that this would get so close to home. And uh, especially for the local residents, some of them, you know, they had brothers and, and fathers who were knocking on their doors as the Union Army entered Gettysburg on the first day of the battle. But I would say for the citizens of Gettysburg, the most traumatic period of time was on the first day of the battle. The Confederates drove about 20,000 Union soldiers were driven back, chased by about 30,000 Confederates through the streets of town with 2,000 or so civilians hiding in their cellars. Mm. Uh, Just imagining this scene, this is really the pivot point of the battle uh, when it appears that the Confederates have the upper hand. Now, over the next two days, the tide shifts, but this is the moment, especially for us in our museum, we wanted to capture what it was like for these civilians as the town is overrun by Confederates. There's no such thing as an undramatic battle, but it is the presence of civilian population that makes it even more so here in Gettysburg. And especially because the, the record is so complete as to what happened. It's, it's being watched by everyone and, and lived by those who are there. This is a good chance for us to, to listen in on, on the soundscape that you guys have created, which you recorded with real gunfire, etc. So you're, you're immersing uh, the listener, the museum goer in your case, in the world of these citizens of Gettysburg. Let's listen in. My God, the rebels are here. They're everywhere. Our boys are gone. God protect us. Well, looky here. You folks just sit tight. Your Yankees have done run off. Wow. Okay, so that's the sense that you get of people hiding in their basements, of talking among themselves. It's not, sadly, so different than what we see on the news right now, you know, with people hiding out all over the place in in Kiev and so forth. This is the sad fact of war. I mean, these people are caught right in the middle of it all. That's right. And there were about 30 civilian casualties. That's something that's not talked about very much in Gettysburg. But there were several uh, killed and wounded during the battle itself. Others were killed afterwards handling unexploded artillery shells that detonated in their hands. And others died of disease. There was rampant disease in the area after the battle. You imagine 7,000 dead bodies and tens of thousands of wounded. Every water source was contaminated. There's thousands of horses killed and their carcasses laying all around their, the fields, uh, farm fields. And so it was, it was a public health crisis. It was an economic crisis. And it was really an, a psychological crisis for these people who had to live with the, the memories of this for the rest of their lives. This was a prosperous town, lovely houses, I would imagine, for the day. How much destruction takes place, physical properties lost? 
quite a bit on the southern edge of town, there was actually a fierce sharpshooter battle throughout the, the fighting on July 2nd and mostly July 3rd. And in the middle of that, one local civilian, a 20-year-old woman named Jenny Wade, was killed in her home. A bullet crashed through the door hmm. and, and killed her instantly. But many of the houses were badly damaged by artillery shells, by cannonballs that just went straight through the brick, uh, into, through the walls, and, and, and bullet damage. You can still see many houses in Gettysburg today that are damaged, and some that still have artillery projectiles sticking out of them. I'll be right back with more from American History Hit and Andrew Dalton after this break. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Have you ever wondered if the Hanging Gardens of Babylon were actually real? Or what made Alexander so great? Join me, Tristan Hughes, twice a week, every week on the Ancients from History hit where I'm joined by leading academics, best-selling authors, and world-class archaeologists to shine a light on some of ancient history's most fascinating questions, like who built Stonehenge and why? What are the Dead Sea Scrolls and why are they so valuable? And were the Spartan warriors really as formidable as the history books say? Join me, Tristan Hughes, twice a week, every week on the Ancients from History hit wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there. I want to tell you about a podcast I think you'll like. It's called Mysteries at the Museum from Travel Channel and is narrated by me, Don Wildman, and is direct audio from my TV show, Mysteries at the Museum. On Mysteries at the Museum, I travel across the U.S. to find objects that tell shocking stories of American history. You'll hear about the portrait linked to the first bank robbery in American history and about the failed invention from World War II that evolved into one of the most popular toys for kids. Objects carry a lot of power. They tell a story about a person, a place, or a time in history. And sometimes they just look like ordinary household objects. Uncover the secrets behind these incredible objects and learn about the history of war, science, crime, and everything in between. I think you'll like this podcast because it's telling every kind of American story through fascinating historical objects. So listen to Mysteries at the Museum wherever you get your podcasts. I'm James Patton Rogers, a war historian, advisor to the UN and NATO, and host of the Warfare Podcast from History Hit. Join me twice a week, every week, as we look at the conflicts that have defined our past and the ones shaping our future. We talk to award-winning journalists. ISIS, this peculiar strain that we all came to know very well in the mid-2010s, really got its start because of the US invasion of Iraq. 
we hear from the people who were actually there. The Sudanese have been incredible. They have managed to get supplies to people, to individuals who are suffering. And we learn from the remarkable historians shining a light on forgotten histories. For the most part, the millions of people who were taken to those camps were immediately murdered. Auschwitz combined the functions of death camp and concentration camp and slave labor. Join us on the Warfare Podcast from History Hits twice a week, every week, wherever you get your podcasts. I want to get a sense of how in real time this was going for these people. Was the Union Army, were the military leadership there, you know, instructing them on what to do? Were they protecting them? How was that handled? When the Confederate Army captured Gettysburg, the Union Army was cut off from the town. And so the civilians had to fend for themselves and really weren't given much assistance. The Confederates, in many cases, ransacked houses, stole goods and supplies and uh, really terrified the local population. I mean, that had been the original reason that the Confederates were even headed in this direction was to get supplies, was to ransack houses, I suppose, and and get shoes, apparently. That seems to be the, the mythological <laughs> reason for the whole battle, huh? In the aftermath, or, or I guess in between, I guess as it's going on, these guys, these civilians are forced to act in ways that they never saw coming. Are they enlisted in these these duties or how do they become involved in the nursing and the hospitals and cleaning up and so forth? Well, this is all before federal agencies like FEMA that would come in and assist with a disaster recovery. So it was entirely left up to the civilians of Gettysburg to deal with the aftermath. They became nurses, volunteer nurses. Every home was a hospital of some kind in the town, and they helped bury the dead. Actually, the gruesome task of moving a lot of these bodies to the new cemetery that was established was done by Gettysburg's black community. Um, thousands of bodies moved to the cemetery that would eventually be dedicated in November by by Abraham Lincoln with his Gettysburg Address. But the local population had to learn very fast how to, to deal with these circumstances. And many of them, you know, dealt with disease and, and some had to wear, uh, many in fact, wore uh, uh, cloths over their noses, masks of, of a sort to try to mask the smell. So between the Confederate defeat, their retreat, and the famous Gettysburg Address, there's a, a number of months there, about four months during which time did the people of Gettysburg understand their place in history? Did they understand what they had gone through? I think they did. In fact, you know, in, in some sense, they understood the opportunity that would come out of it immediately visitors started descending on Gettysburg huh. uh, from all around the country. It was an immediate tourist destination, and wow. that continues to this day. There are millions of people every year that visit Gettysburg. But I do think they understood the significance, and many took it upon themselves to record their memories very soon after the fact. There are letters, there are diaries. People held on to keepsakes, relics that they had found, and these were precious mementos of what they had gone through. But I do think that they realized, even before the Gettysburg Address, that they were part of something very very significant. The tipping point, if you will, you know, of, of the entire war feels like at that point, you know, they were coming off a high point, the, the Southern troops to, to come in and, and lose so convincingly and then have to go all the way back down south seems like the end of all, all that northern excursion. Those people must have felt quite proud of themselves, I would imagine, having been there at the, the moment. Absolutely. Well, picture this. It's actually the 4th of July when the Union Army yes. marches back into the streets of Gettysburg after the defeat of the Confederates the day before. Pickett's Charge, a very famous moment in American history. 
But the civilians, they draped flags off the sides of buildings. They came out in the streets to cheer. It was still not extremely safe. There were Confederates sort of on the other end of town, so the celebration was limited to an extent. But it was the 4th of July. The Union Army was back in uh, the streets of Gettysburg, and the, the people were able to take a deep breath and understand that they had survived. And And one point I'd like to make, too— these people had no idea what the outcome of the battle would be. And they had no idea if the Union Army was defeated at Gettysburg, the consequences of that for for the Union Army, for the war effort for Abraham Lincoln were absolutely astronomical. Mm -hmm. And so not knowing what the outcome would be, that's something we try to really stress when people are, are here at the museum, that they did not know what would happen. They didn't know if the town would be burned. They didn't know if they'd survive. How did you get the idea to start a museum like this? Well, we are the County Historical Society, and so we have all of these these stories from local civilians, all the letters and diaries. We have over a million historic items in our collection. And this is really a, a gap in the story that's often overlooked or uh, downplayed. And and the civilian experience, especially now, I think is, is so important to understand, as you mentioned, with world events like what's happening in Ukraine, what's happening in parts of Africa and the Middle East. These are the real victims of war. Yep. The innocent bystanders who are forced to, to take action and to, uh, um, to assist with the recovery and the cleanup. And, and that's what we wanted to, to show, that this, this community is really extraordinary, having only a few thousand people at the time going through such an incredible period in American history and, and becoming one of the most famous tourist destinations in the world. It's 160 years since the Battle of Gettysburg. This museum is brand new. It places you right in the middle of the battle, quite quite intentionally. And uh, I really encourage people who are visiting this summer, <laughs> I'm, I'm certain a lot are, with their families to go see this museum as an important part of the entire experience. It's called the uh, Gettysburg Beyond the Battle Museum. And the specific exhibition we're talking about is caught in the crossfire, but there's much more to the museum than just that as well. Thank you so much, Andrew. This is really interesting. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you, Don. Thanks for listening to this episode of American History Hit. So glad you could join us. If you enjoyed this conversation, please let us know. We thrive on your feedback and your reviews. And check out the ever-growing list of back episodes of more American History Hit. Episodes drop twice weekly, Mondays and Thursdays. I'm Don Wildman, and I'll see you next time. This podcast includes music from Epidemic Sound. Thank you for listening to this episode of American History Hit. Please follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us, and you'll be doing us a big favor. Don't forget, you can also listen to all these podcasts ad-free and watch hundreds of documentaries when you subscribe at historyhit.com slash subscribe. As a special gift, you'll also get your first three months for just $1 a month when you use code AmericanHistory at checkout.